record podcast no it too much blah 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 no blah 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 we blah 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 on today's episode of red sharts and boy did no red sharts get bonk bonked on the head did they no they didn't i saw that red shirt early on and i was like here we go but we don't have a lieutenant matthews no. Memorial Award, because no red shards were harmed in the making of this but, episode. But, but, oh, just you wait till oh. you hear a little bit about these two red shards. And I promise you it is only a little bit. Okay. But I think it's funny. Either way. <laughs> Emily Pineapple, I'm so ready for you to guide me on this. Me, of course, missing information since I forgot. We, you know, should probably introduce ourselves. We should maybe. If you're jumping you know, in, you know, look. right at this moment, because it's like, this is your favorite episode. You see Miri and you're like, there's not many things that Google when you search Miri come up. So yeah. I'm watching this or listen, well, watching, listening to this. Yeah. If you're watching this, congratulations for having a future site that a lot Hi. of Star Trek characters have. Hello. Uh, welcome to our space. I... We can't see you, I... but we know you're here. <laughs> I couldn't have ever predicted what this episode would have been about by the title name. Like, I just wasn't right? ready for, I wasn't ready for the first, like, moments of this in the cold open when we just learn what this place is. And I'm just like, well, Earth 2! Earth 2, another another Earth. Earth. Another Earth? And that's basically the length of the teaser. So, mm-hmm. like, literally it just opens and they're like, another Earth? Yeah, and they slowly approach what is clearly Earth. And then measure the dimensions and like the scientific readings. And they're like, yep, it's Earth, but it's not. It's not. Um, I'm so excited to chat with you about this episode. It is, I think, one of the sort of forgotten gems mm-hmm. of the series. Uh, there are some really interesting behind the scene things. I have been getting very angry at IMDb just now. Because of the misinformation, Missy. Can you imagine oh misinformation on this, the internet? I am shocked. I have sharded myself. What is happening here? Sharting ourselves away. Friends, this is Mary. Our, our little old episode with very little space, but very, very a lot of science fiction. Yes. Yes. Um, Missy. So of course I have I have many questions throughout this for you. Mm-hmm. But why don't we go ahead and get started? Um 
This, of course, is Miri. This was, I believe, uh, the ninth or tenth episode produced. Twelve. The twelfth episode produced. It was the first one or the final one that they finished before taking a break. They took a studio mandated break and had to be sure that the studio was going to pick them back up again. So this was the end of just the first run of episodes. It was directed by our very own Vincent McEvity. That's who it was uh, directed by. And it was written. Oh, and he directed uh, via via the wheelchair. That's right. Because he broke his leg the weekend before filming. Oh, no. Yes. Additionally, um, he had just directed The Conscious of the King, which is the episode that we're going to see next. Uh, oh. They needed a director for this one. It was written by a Mr. Spies, or Spies, I believe is how they had been uh, pronouncing it. Um, and... Yeah, it was it was very well liked, basically, from the start, from Jump with the script. Um, everyone was really pleased with with Mr. Spee's work. There is an apocrypha. Mm, oh, boy. On IMDb, which I found very interesting. And it said that when they took out all of the stage directions that he had been using to, quote unquote, pad the runtime or the the amount of his script they realized they were 10 minutes short and that you know led to a lot of different rewrites nothing about that was in the book that i have been listening to these are the voyages interesting um which has basically it's adrian spies or spies nothing is said about that and it has a extremely detailed accounts basically this person went to the library at UCLA, whoever wrote this book. The library at UCLA has all of their production notes and shit and goes through it and reads, like, to me, uh, as I listen to this book, just the memos that people are literally sending to each other. And there was nothing about that. All, everything about that was that they really liked him as an author. They really liked his script from the jump. Even the people at NBC liked it from the jump. Of course, a lot of rewriting has to happen with any sort of show. But he produced for them three story outlines and three scripts. Um, and typically, this is a thing that fucking Roddenberry always did, was he would try and, like, get another draft out of the writers, like, for free, essentially. Being like, yeah, no, so you did totally fulfill everything contractually that we had you do. And you also addressed all the notes that we gave you. But, like, maybe just one more, please. Because you don't know the, the actors very well. Boo-hoo, you don't know what the characters are like on our show that hasn't aired yet. And that's just basic homework. And it's like, really, Gene, because it looks like every other memo you sent to everyone else, including this guy, was that he did it perfectly. Gene will be Gene. Gene will be Gene. Gene's been gening. Um, but I'm so excited to get into this episode. Now, Adrian Spies or Spies, he wasn't a science fiction writer whatsoever. Um, so I find it very funny that one of Gene's like things that he says, he's like, I'm not asking you for science fiction. I'm asking just for drama. Don't be afraid of the science fiction. And he's like, I'm taking another job. <laughs> so what did he write beforehand? 
uh, Gunsmoke style things. Oh. Um, yeah. So he, uh, the fugitive was what he was writing right after this. Um, and mostly cop procedurals and westerns, hmm. that sort of he thing. He took over Gene's cop territory. Precisely. Precisely. Um, so, according to IMDb, that's why Gene Roddenberry didn't want Spees to write any more stories from the show. Based on what he said, like, later, Gene said in a letter to uh, Spees's agent, etc he was like you know i'm not gonna bring up the phone call that we had because i'm so happy we were able to leave it with still like a lot of professional respect for each other and that we don't even hate each other isn't it wonderful and i'm like that sounds like the kind of thing you say when you said something really fucking rude and out of pocket <laughs> yeah exactly it's like <laughs> what so who said who said something on the phone call i'm gonna guess it was your intimate knowledge of it mm, yeah so um <laughs> he was like go back go back to gun smoke go back to the old west you can remove the space from it he was like all i'm asking for is just action you need to write me i wanted i wanted hot babes and you wrote a thing full of children i can't handle this you don't ever act with children and horses that's the first thing <laughs> Um, but according to Gene, he really liked the idea. Spies was the one with the idea of these immensely old children, um, which we will get into because I have even more fun stuff all packed in here. Uh, but the first fun fact is that, yes, this was shot during the summer. Why? So that the children would not be in school and they could work them for six hours instead Hooray. of four. Child labor laws. Which should be kept in place, America. Um, so let's start off. We start with our cold open. The crew's investigating an SOS from an Earth-type planet. And it's specifically an Earth-style SOS. It's Earth-style. You know, it's it's like having a uh, a California style burrito. Would, would that it's Earth style? Would that still be Morse code? So is it like uh, I'm gonna get it wrong? Is it right? dot, dot 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 dash dash dot 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 or dash 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 dot 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 dash dash dash? If this is who wants to be a millionaire? Yep. It's a fifty fifty. I'd be I would be screwed. Yep. It's yep. one of those two, but yeah, either way. And when we say it's an Earth-like planet, when they're zooming in on it, it's a like they're zooming in on on the continents. You can see like India yes. perfectly. It is literally a copy of Earth. Yes, and what's great is that in the original version of this Earth, now Missy, tell me when you watched this episode, I'm assuming via a streaming service, were there clouds in this Earth-like sky? If I recall correctly, yes. Yes. In the re uh doing the remastering, they added clouds to the sky because in the original there were no clouds and people were annoying about it. Oh, They're like, if it's an Earth type planet, there'd be clouds. Of they were. They specifically said that it's an Earth too, there's and there's no clouds. No fan base known for being more chill than the Star Trek fan base about misinformation or disinformation. Yep. Yep. Uh, the other question that I have for you, right as we start out, Missy, because this is something that was talked about in, in reviewing of this episode. Um, Missy, 
Captain Missy, how freaked out would you be by a second Earth? I would I would have so many questions. I would have too many questions. I would right? almost be like, it's a trap and like back out because you're like, this seems like something that uh, a, a, a species is luring us like this. It, it's meant to be a lure. Now, that's not what happens, but I I would be very hesitant. And yeah, they act very chill. They're basically like another planet. And they're like, oh, whoa, cool. let's go, better go down there. Another Earth. Oh, cool. It's an exact duplicate of Earth. The shape of the continents and everything. Cool. Cool. So yeah, they that's how fast the teaser goes. That was something NBC uh, complimented Spies uh, or Spies about his script. Um they just got to the point. The exposition dump was yep. quick. Because you know what? You yep. just need a visual. All you need know is yep. show Earth and everyone's what? like, hey, that's the thing. That's the thing. Earth style, Earth style, uh, over easy SOS. We better get the fuck down there. And so they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are beamed down onto... That's right. It's the Desilu backlot. Yes, it is uh, the most wonderful derelict style urban setting they have. Fake buildings, chain link fences. Mm-hmm. You know, if there were alleyways that we saw, they'd be full of boxes for cars to run down. But there's no cars. There's no traffic. There's no people. This is truly no. a barren, barren city. Absolutely abandoned. Um, these were the sets from the Andy Griffith, Griffith show. Um, and 40 Acres. It's the I, 40 I, Acres backlog. I, I don't remember the episode of Andy Griffith show where they shut down all of Mayberry and had to box <laughs> it all up because of the recession. Jeezy Pete's. Pretty much. Um, but that's where they are. It's uh, McCoy. It's Spock. It's Kirk. It's Janice Rand, which is the only episode we have of her where she leaves the Enterprise. Really? Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, And this will be, I believe there is a small moment of her in the next episode, um, but it will be her final episode. Um, And yeah, it's, it's identical. Oh, and two red shirts. That's right. Did you recognize either of these red shirts, Missy? They looked familiar, but I also was like, these people have faces that look like other, everyone else's faces. Who were they? Have we seen them before? Well, one of them. Might have been the first guy not in a red shirt, but the first extra that we saw consumed. That's right. John Arndt, uh, who played Fields, who is the one that doesn't look like he's from the 50s. There's one of them that, (laughs) like, Forrest looked at him and he's like, that man looks like he boxes in the 50s. Yes. Uh, Yes, exactly. When he doesn't, he was Sturgeon in the man trap. Wow. That is, I, you know, this is a reminder to myself that they were like, people are only going to see these ones so we can reuse actors. Like, no one's going to remember that mm-hmm. this guy was eight in the first episode as a different character. So, hey, throw on a red shirt and come on down here into the lot. Let's do this. Come on down. We got rid of those ugly old yellow things. So, they're walking around. Spock's like, wow, this is identical to Earth in approximately 1960. So we can conveniently use sets we have already. 
Uh, yeah, apparently, um, Justman, Bob Justman was super pleased about that. <laughs> He's like, oh, let's put the kids in contemporary style costumes. Like, oh, yeah. It was pretty legit. <laughs> so he's like, oh, wow, there's been natural deterioration happening. Quite obviously, everything is broken down. Um, and that the distress signal, they find it and that it was automated. Yes. So they're like, oh, maybe no one's here at all. They come across a fucked up, like, rusted tricycle just in the dirt. And Kirk, like, picks it up and, like, notices that the wheel's off, turns around, hands it to Spock, who then turns around and hands it to McCoy. Why? Why are we handing off the tricycle? And it's not like, hey, let's look at this. Like, he just keeps walking. You know, it's just sort of like, there's evidence that it's an Earth-like planet because of a tricycle. But yeah, no, again, no one is overly surprised that yeah. we're on a, co a copy of Earth yet. Like, they, yeah. they really are taking this in as like, hmm, facts, facts about this. 1960s, okay. Rusted tricycle. Okay, okay, okay. Rusted tricycle. Okay, let's pass it along, pass it along. I don't want to fuck with this thing anymore. Spock, take it. Um, so McCoy puts it down very carefully when suddenly... Mine! A creepy monster humanoid being jumps out of nowhere and jumps on McCoy. And I jumped a bit. That really did spook me. I was not seeing that coming. Yeah, it's out of nowhere. This being is like real fucked up. Spock and Kirk pull him off McCoy and Kirk sucker punches him in the face oh, yeah. multiple times. Like, good job with your restraint, my guys. Um, yeah, well, all while this creature is screaming, mine, mine, it's mine. It's mine. The being falls to the ground. It falls to the bike and it's so sad about the bike. It's like, oh, someone broke my bike. Will someone fix it, please? And McCoy is like, someone will fix it. Like, they're sad. They're like, mm -hmm. oh, my God. And, and I need to uh, say, you are being much more expressive than the person is. They're saying they're not being able to speak in, in full sentences. They're saying, fix it, fix it, please, please yeah. fix, fix for me. Yes, fix. It, in a language that seems very uh, toddler-esque. And yeah. we'll, we'll find out why in a moment. Exactly. Kirk, I mean, Spock's like, this is clearly a humanoid, even under the distortion. And Kirk is like, but with the mind of a child. Done, <gasps> done, done. Done, done, done. Kirk's like, we want to help you. But it starts screaming, never, and then has a seizure and dies. I mean, he wasn't wrong. He did say never. It's dead. It's incredible. McCoy notices the metabolic rate is that of aging a century in just a few minutes. Which he looks like. It. He does not age oh, yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they hear footsteps behind them. And they are running. So there's a lot of running around this back lot. Yes. There's a lot of a sound, like a slight sound happens, and they just run from place to place. So they run back and forth a couple times and end up inside a fucked up house. That's right. A house that just looks totally destroyed. They, they heard the door shut. So they're like, fuck, someone's in here. Yes. And again, another nice, convenient set of a decrepit house where they don't have to worry about adding anything space. There is, there's no advanced tech. Like the probe is basically, or the SOS signal is basically the only thing that remotely looked like it could be advanced technology. Everything yep. else just looks like 
you know, it, it's yeah, just from just from a nice 60s house. Nice 60s house. All fucked up and old. There's an old piano and Spock's like, it's 300 years old. Uh, and they hear someone in the closet. Kirk's all, we mean you no harm. And they're like getting all ready to, you know, phaser anything that's in there. Open it up. And it's a little girl mm-hmm. crying. A terrified young lady. Uh, and she's just begging them not to hurt her. She's, don't hurt me, please. I didn't do anything. She's speaking in full sentences. She looks like a perfectly normal young lady. Um, but she's terrified. And McCoy is like, I wonder what happened to her, that she should be so terrified of us. They send Spock out. They send the red shirts out to go fuck her. Uh, and they're all being totally fucked with. Just people making noises, yes. running around. It It is the uh, peak telltale sign that you're about to deal with a child gang. Yup. When you have random noises and little imps running around causing all sorts of mischief, you just know they are, this is a Scooby-Doo like running around getting set up where a bunch of children jump out and be like, we're here, we're urchins and we're here. Woohoo, we're here. So, uh, this actress who played Miri, her, she was 18 years old at time of shooting. Um, she was playing 14. It was the idea. And her name is, I, I swear to God, I had these before. Kim Darby. Kim Darby. This was Kim Darby. Uh, she was really excited because it was the first show and set that she'd been on where she didn't need to have a teacher or a guardian because she was 18 years old. Um, something that I learned about her time on set. So first off, like we open this, she's literally crying, like tears. Yeah. Like she is freaking out. Some this good entire cry acting. Real good episode. cry acting. And apparently uh, the director in his reports of this were like, he's like, yeah, she would like do a really good scene and I would be pleased with her performance. And then she would like go off to cry. And eventually I just stopped caring why she was crying. I need to run a set and it needs to run fast. And I'm like, at first, like I heard this, like before I saw the episode and I'm like, that's interesting um, that this actress was just crying all the time. And like, he didn't feel like she was professional enough on set. And then we watch the show and all she does is cry. Yeah, exactly. You're asking this bitch to cry in every scene and you're annoyed like, that she's still crying? I, I, I am an actor. I have performed in many different plays. I have had to cry before. And it is true. When you cry, you do have to make yourself sad. Like, that's a fact. And if you're yeah. a kid, you might not have the capacity, like as an adult to make yourself just like boost back up and stop crying and be like okay separating myself from it so like if they're having to think of really sad things and also multiple takes having to do it over Mm -hmm. like you're just gonna get in that zone her first set with no guardian her first set where they're like you're a grown-up and and you're going to and she had done um she had worked with shatner before so you know, that was good. But still, I was like, oh, my God, this this director sounds like an asshole based on what they were asking this terrified, terrified young girl. And she really, really sells the situation. She is the part that sells the situation. Um, We're going to see some other kids pretty soon. 
But the director would compare her uh, to the other sort of oldest child or whatever in it, um, who was 26. Okay, yeah, which I was going to say, the eldest child in that looked about 26. Yeah, like he was like 26 or 27. He had, you know, a per- Michael J. Pollard, he had worked multiple things because he's a full adult. And he also, guess how much crying he does during that episode? Zero crying. None. Spoilers. Yeah, it's a lot easier for the funny 26-year-old who doesn't have to emote on camera mm-hmm. to just get on with his fucking takes. Give Miri some jokes and then let's see how they like stand off against each other. Come on. Fucking right? Um, so meanwhile, inside, they're like, what is going on? Like, tell us, little girl, what is happening? She says she remembers what the grups did. Ooh, the grups burning and hurting people that grups don't help. And that's why she's afraid of them, because they they too are grups. Uh, And they ask, what happened here? And she's like, you know what happened. What are you talking about? I am a child. Um, she's like, oh, oh, I know you got a foolie, but I don't know the rules. I got to know the rules. Otherwise I can't play your foolie. Um, they're like, what is a foolie? And she's like, a game. Yeah, duh. And she's like, what are grups? Your grups. Oh, I see what happens when onlys get old. You're an only. All of this was Rodberry. Basically, Spies was like, there are children that have been living on this planet for 300 years. Um, And Roddenberry, which I think is actually very, like, uh, Tolkien of him. Um, Not very Tolkien, but, like, in the the same genre of Tolkien being like, oh, they need their own words. They would come up with weird words. Yes. Trying to figure it out. And I thought it was a good touch because I did like the, just how over time all of these words would sort of become swooshed or nicknamed or whatever um the only's was the one that made me like not sad but i was just sort of like oh damn like they they kind of even recognize the the fact that there are so few of them left like that's 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 yeah if i was running around with a child gang and we were called the only's i would feel (laughs) really i would like reconsider my life choices at that point i'd be like you know nine or ten or whatever oh yeah oh yeah so we got our grups. We got our onlys. Apparently, the grups got sick and died after they did awful things, after they did burning and hurting and terrible stuff. Um, so essentially, so, there was a biological warfare attack that yes. happened on this duplicate Earth in the 60s. Not at all yes. a metaphor for the current times that were happening in the real 60s. Not It's Not all, all fiction. This was all fiction. fiction. Science fiction. Science. Um, and McCoy basically says the same thing. He's like, it sounds like there was a plague. Mm-hmm. It wiped out all of the adults, but how are their children here and how is everything 300 years old? A mystery! Um, so Kirk starts to lay on some charm. He's like, all right, I have to get this child to trust me. She's in hysterics. She's like, what's your name? Mary, a pretty name for a pretty young woman. Whoa, Kirk. Um, he did come off as fatherly. Yes. He definitely did not come off as as hitting on her. It very much did come off as an adult 
trying to be nice to a child. And it makes sense that they had such a good rapport since they had acted together. Yes. And additionally, as as we go on, Mary, she develops quite the little affection for Jim, for, for Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, a little. Kim, the actor. It's, it's her first crush. It's her first crush. Uh, apparently, this actress, she shared that she really did have a crush on him. Aww. Kim had a crush on him. Of course you would. Yeah. It's 30s Shatner. 30, like in his yeah. 30s. She said she always fell for her leading man a little bit and definitely had a little crush on Kirk and that he was awesome in all of their scenes and like there for her and stuff. Very cute. Um, So she's like, really? I'm pretty? And he's like, yes, you are. Um, Meanwhile, Spock and the red shirts are trying to find anything. In the meantime, we're hearing this creaky, creepy ass. Coming from buildings, rocks flying from buildings. They can't get anything going, but they know they're children. Yeah, it is is clearly childlike chanting in, in both tone and texture. Tone and texture. So Spot comes in. He's like, there are tons of kids out here. We cannot get close to them. We are, we are too large. We are big. We are big boys. We cannot, we cannot get at these children. They know the location. They know the, the terrain. So Kirk is like, okay, there's a plague. There's a bunch of children's around. Hey, Mary, do you know where the doctors used to work? Like, do you know of any science buildings? Very clever. Very clever, Kirk. And she's like, that's a bad place, but I'll take you. <laughs> Um, and that's when, so they're talking, she's like, what's your name? And he's like, Jim. And she's like, wow, I really like that name. And he's like, I like your name too. And I like you. She's like, really? He's like, I wouldn't lie to you. But then she notices something on his hand and starts screaming and freaking out. He has a sore on his hand. Oh, shit. Big rubbery blue thing. And she goes, I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. You are also going to go crazy and die. Like I knew I couldn't, I couldn't trust you, but she stays with them and they go to the doctor building. Yeah. She, she, the amount of freaking out she does. She, again, the crush aspect of it always seems to overtake her because she's, she's pretty much like just by Kirk's side uh, during this whole, like beginning part of it. Cause she just can't help but do it. But yeah, it it is such a juxtaposition when she starts screaming. And I'm also thinking, okay, it's another disease of the week episode. I like this. Yep. Disease of the week. This is the second time that the Enterprise crew has been infected with a disease after the naked time. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're not going to want to get naked. No, no, no. Because they got all these weird sores on them. And everyone has these weird sores on them. And they can't beam up or beam anyone down. Because they'll kill everyone. Yep. Except for Spock. Spock does not have any sores, but he's still likely a carrier of the disease. So he too cannot leave the planet. Um, he has a great little... Another time when hmm? Spock's, Spock's uh, other blood comes in handy. Green blood. Yeah. Uh, McCoy says, these little bugs have no appetite for green blood. And Spock's like, being a red-blooded human clearly has its disadvantages. <laughs> um. 
But there's a great moment where Spock walks over and he's like, oh, you're holding a museum piece. This is a microscope that is operated in these various fashion. And McCoy's like, I don't care. I, I just I straight up don't care. I am. It works. And I'm using it. Yes. We need some equipment from the ship. <laughs> and this is where we see, like, the amount of tech that they have. And it is, like, a classic comical amount of test tubes full of different mm-hmm. liquids that are all connect to each other in various ways. And they're all... Just colored light. Yeah. With no, no indicator what the lights mean. Lincoln. You know, computers built into the walls, just their idea of what, what you know, the highest tech of computing will ever be. It just was, it, it was interesting to see that sort of difference in where this civilization had advanced to before mm-hmm. shit hit the fan. Exactly. And it does look very much like what the 60s, what people in the 60s might imagine like the next step yes in their technology to be not so the next step like not to the 90s but they're thinking like oh well we have a room with a computer in it and the computer Mm -hmm. is the room they'll probably have one that is a little bit smaller because they're 300 years in the past um well not in the past but it's been at least 300 years since anyone's tried anything technologically yeah on this planet um so They're like, fuck, we need to figure out what's going on. And there is a million paper files everywhere because paper. And they're going through these files to figure out what the hell the people on this planet were doing when they find experimentation on life prolongation product or projects. Oh, my word. They were trying to prolong life and fucked up. But yet. Uh. They are still children there, which means, did they fuck up completely? They're wondering, they're like, children grow, and so therefore should die. How are they they continuing the line? They were trying to, you know, make life longer. They fucked it up. Mr. Spock has the answer. Uh, He's like, "Mm, aren't there certain glandular changes that happen in humans at a certain age? Uh, and aren't a bunch of like fucked up bullshit politicians obsessed with that for some reason? Oh, sorry, it's just that, that's, the time period we're yeah, in right that's now. Our, our reality. Our reality. So basically, what Mr. Spock is saying here is that puberty blockers could have saved everyone's lives. That oh, that's a very ironic take, but it is true. Yep. It is true Pu- both in this future and in this right now. Puberty is what is aging them. I love it. It's it's puberty followed by madness followed by death. <laughs> Which you know what puberty is madness. is the human cycle but very expedited. Yep. Uh <laughs> yep. Um so again they're wondering like how are these children still alive? Also Rand is like, well if this child Miri was never raised by other humans, why does she want to hang out with us? Like, how come she's wearing clothes like a human child would and speaking, you know, the our language and not feral? Um, 
And Kirk's like, well, kids instinctively want adults to tell them what to do and right and wrong. And fair enough. Like, it was, like it was an interesting information. I, I don't know if yeah. I would ever have that, but it's like, yeah, I guess maybe it is just, you know, within their nature to want some sort of, of leadership, even, even though all these children are clearly terrified or hate the grups. Yes. Yes. And like, like, I wouldn't have put it that way. Like, I probably would have put it like, yeah, like humans want to especially children want to be somewhere they feel safe yes whatever um but spock has the answer actually this little girl mary she's becoming a woman and she has a crush on jim which that's why she's hanging out i couldn't believe that Kirk hadn't picked that up yet. Like there is a right? level of obliviousness and that's why it's good that it is like, you can tell he is just being clearly fatherly because he didn't pick on, yes. up on that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Um, I, I have a feeling that like he has charm that he puts on and he knows that he can use it with like an adult woman, but I think he also uses the same charm with like everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, just to like be charming it's just like turning the magnet on or off and you know yeah. that like people are attracted to you and not in different various ways of course but you just know yeah. that turning yourself on in whatever that fashion is works yeah and so i i really felt like he was just like oh my god another bitch who wants to fuck <clears throat> me and i especially don't want to fuck this child you know like there's definitely no impression of of sexualizing the child um so he gives Miri like random tasks to do while they're at the doctor's office to sort yeah, of keep her that, away. That was really funny. <laughs> from getting in their shit. Hey, here's some chores. So he's for like, you. hey, uh, clean this desk for me. Uh, would would you sharpen these pencils for us? Thank you so much. You're being so helpful, Miri. <laughs> um so they've realized that these children, they're only aging one month for every 100 years. Which is wild. Absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. Uh, so the serum worked, just not in the way that they yeah. intended. But yeah, it, it, yeah. it just is interesting. And then also to think about the fact that uh, what age all of these children, which we haven't met the yeah. other ones yet, but when we, we mm-hmm. will meet them, I was instantly thinking, okay, so wait. How so? They've only aged three months this entire time. So how old were yeah. they when all this happened? How much memory do they have? And it makes more sense why some of the kids, mm-hmm. you know, react the way they do to everything going up, especially Mary. Yeah, because she she does seem like she's about to become a woman. Like she is playing fourteen years old. Um, Which is interesting because I so, actually did not know the actress was 18. I thought she was much closer to the age that Mary is is supposed to be playing. Yeah. She did look like a younger woman. Yes, she absolutely does. Something the casting director said was he compared her to the the sexual heat of the woman they had in What Are Little Girls Made Of? Uh, the android mm-hmm. um, who he just really wanted to fuck. <sighs> um like just all this casting director ever says about this poor woman is like how she looks like a playboy model and accessible on set. Um, whereas this other woman uh, who is almost the same age, 18, he's like, no, she looks like a child and she does look like a child. They also style her like a child. It, it is amazing. Um, once I got to like my mid twenties and I go back to campus and I'd see like all the freshmen, like you are babies. You are literal children. What are you doing here? I was not this young when I was yeah. here. This is impossible. I don't understand. <laughs> 
Like, I do not understand. This is not, these children should not be unaccompanied. Mm-hmm. Where um, is your, where is your legal guardian? Where is your legal guardian? Um, so Rand is like, wow, like an eternal childhood. How lovely. No responsibilities, nothing. I'm like, bitch, you're on an abandoned planet. <laughs> what do you think these kids have been through? And Kirk is like, uh, essentially like, oh, be careful what you wish for, because it might not be exactly as you had hoped. And it's like, well, you're just setting up the theme for the next act of this, of this right yes. here, clearly. <laughs> Straight up. And also, um, these kids are fucking alone. Like, they are yeah. alone. And they, we don't know what they're eating. And... They are at ages where they have yes. memory of their parents, yes. all or uh, parents and siblings, anyone who was in, uh, you know, after puberty, and Older. all of them yeah. dying or fighting in a war or being attacked by, uh, which you know we now know isn't bioterrorism, but their own, you know, their own silly hubris of trying to advance technology, uh, advance, yeah. advance, you know, it's the um, trying to drink from the holy grail and melting because. Yeah. You know, the search for eternal life yeah. and how it, it fucks you up. Exactly. Um, they're wondering, like, does Miri know? Do these children know what's going to happen? And Kirk posits, like, no. Mm-hmm. Because they are still children and they don't have any frame of reference for understanding what happened to them. Yeah, they didn't. Or understanding the traumatic events that their world went through. Apparently their earth was abstinence only, so they didn't have sex ed. And so none of these kids had any clue what was happening. Nope. Um, So Kirk is like, I got to find these fucking children. Uh, Hey, Mary, want to go somewhere with me? (laughs) And she's like, okay. Uh, Takes his hands. It's very cute. So they... Now we're in the child's room, in the daycare, in the kids' building, uh, which is a wonderful room where we get all the scenes with the kids. There's some desks. There's weird dolls hanging from the ceiling. It looks like children have been living there for 300 years, and everything is destroyed except the mood lighting. <laughs> of course. It again, perfect use of old school set. They're able to trash it about, mm-hmm. get some old. Hey, do you know all those desks we were trying to figure out that are broken and what to do with them? Well, have I got a set for you? <laughs> have I got a set for you? Let's get some of those great lights to move color TVs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's just like great, like purple mood lighting. Um, there's a kid with a really fucked up mask on, but it's like one of those 60s, like just like normal children's masks of the time but now they look terrifying well and those things already um, looked terrifying yeah um so this oldest kid who is 26 years old in real life not in in the context of this but in real life <gasps> pretending to be a child he turns and he goes why is Mary with them he says it like that uh, like as if he's gonna tip his hat and like it, it looks like he was about to tip his hat to his gangster leader like yeah boss what are we doing down here this we talked about the person who, who looked like he'd been a boxer in the 50s this person looked like that was the yes. trainer for that said boxer who was like 50 yep. or 40 at the time yup 
Yeah, this is Michael J. Pollard. He was known for having a kind of weird look and being a weird kind of actor. You know, let's um, say which he does have. Let's just say we don't want to say. Let's not label a specific look. You know, he had a specific yeah. look that he had. Yeah, yeah. And a talent for playing weirdos. You know, it's convenient. Guy. Yeah, precisely. Um, they're scared. All the little kids are scared because they're like, why is she with a grups? Grups are bad. Mm-hmm. They hurt us. They hurt each other. Um, John, he's that person. He's the oldest. He's like, mm, they keep talking in these little boxes to each other. We should take those boxes and then they'll be all alone. Like, fuck these guys. And they just want to do it for um, a foolie. It'd be a great foolie. They're just trying to play a fool, you know, not trying to, to disrupt it. We're just a foolie. <laughs> and one little kid, the kid who says, like, oh, it's a foolie. Um, he was in, I'm not sure if you uh, recognize him or if you saw uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. I had not seen To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, John Meng- uh, Megna, he was like one of the other like actual professional actors who was a child on that set um he played the character that he played dill uh okay. who is based on truman capote yes i know the um i know the uh the story of it so interesting interesting yeah so he's like oh it's a foolie and john's like no this is actually dangerous though because Grups are actually dangerous. Yes. Like the last time we saw adults, they were highly, highly dangerous. And remember how there isn't any of them around anymore because that's how dangerous they were to themselves. Yup. So these this group of children, they were mostly kids from uh, the kids of the actors. I looking at the we credits, got, I saw that there yeah. were some Roddenberries. There were some. Mm-hmm. There was a McEvity. There were yeah, a lot of of, of mm-hmm. them on here. Shatner, the Shatners. Yep, there are two little Shatners. Uh, John and Scott uh, Dweck, they're Grace Lee Whitney's children. Um, and a number of them also ended up, like, acting in Star Trek as adults. Um, Very interesting. Some of them played people in The Next Generation or Deep Space Nine, etc. Um, most people brought their kids to set to be in this, except for Leonard Nimoy, who was like, I don't want my children in the industry. Uh, uh, despite the fact that his son would go on to like direct Star Trek episodes. Hey, he can't, um, he couldn't stop his son once he was an adult, but he can prevent them from it, having to experience some of the uh, unpleasantness of it as a child. I don't, I do not blame yes. him. <laughs> and that was Adam Nimoy. Uh <laughs> who directed some episodes of Next Gen. Uh, Two of the kids were the children of a Mission Impossible star, Greg Morris. Oh. oh. um, Phil and Iona Morris. Um, And, yeah. Do you know what's... So, Kirk... This is incredibly interesting. I was Mm -hmm. looking up Phil Morris and his father the other day because I learned that... uh, Phil Morris was born in Iowa because his father went to the University ah. of Iowa. So I did not recognize him as a child in this. This is incredible. Yeah. There were a lot of children. And it's really funny because on the IMDb, like most of the pictures are them of as adults. So it's like this adult and they're like redheaded boy. Uh, <laughs> like Iona Morris, a little, little African-American girl. And it's just like a grown woman. Um, 
No, it's just, it's funny on IMDb that a lot of the little kids, like, their pictures are them as adults. Mm-hmm. So they're credited as, like, little girl. It's like, <laughs> it's like a, just a full woman. Like, so Kirk is trying to get Mary to show him the building. Um, and she's like, oh, like, you know, show me where you go, where you live. They enter the room. All the little kids hide from Mary and Kirk. So we don't see them at first. And then all of a sudden, a fucked up person just opens the door. Another spooky person who has clearly hit puberty, affected by this virus. All of the kids scream and scatter from their hiding places. Uh, Kirk, you know, she jumps on Kirk. Kirk sort of fights this girl, throws her off, phasers her. And then is like, oh, my God, she's dead. Like, my phaser was on stun. Why is this girl dead? And Mary says, that's Louise. Mm-hmm. She's just a little bit older than I am. Yeah, not a good sign. Yep. And she's super scared. She hugs Kirk and Kirk, like, you know, sort of comforts her. In the doctor's building, Mary is sharpening pencils. Like, hey, Jim, do you guys need any more? And he's like, yep, keep sharpening those pencils. That's what we need from you. Thank you. Um, You're so helpful. (laughs) That's the point Um, of what we're doing here. (laughs) They, uh, They find the main doctor's notes and they're like, all right, we have a week before we go mad and destroy everyone. Mary has like five or six weeks before she goes mad and starts destroying everyone. Uh, and Spock cannot go on the ship because everyone will die. Then everyone will get the disease. We're going to get fever. We're going to get pains. We're going to have fibromyalgia. That's what it sounded like when they described yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, basically, it's not like, going to oh, be good. There's huh. nothing good from this. Nothing good. Their idea, the idea was to create a series of diseases that would lead to the extension of the life of human cells. Can we see where Spees was having problem with the science fiction of this episode? You know, and they're like, smush together a bunch of diseases and that will make you live longer, right? Uh, And I guess it would probably kill them, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yup. But Kirk and Spees. Kirk's like, oh my gosh, well, now we know. All we need to do is recreate their thinking and create a vaccine. Yep. Reverse For, engineer. Perfect. Step one, step two. Yes. McCoy's like, sweet, is that all? We've won't, we've got seven whole days. So like you could tell us to do more. <laughs> uh, but no. We're hearing again, echoing through the halls. And they all run from the room to find these children leaving their communicators. And Forrest, my partner, pointed out this would never happen now because we all have cell phones. And why the fuck did they leave their phones (laughs) in a room? They would have been like feeling their pockets being like, oh, uh oh, I got to get my camera on so I can record this for TikTok. It's like they run out and it's like you have no way of communicating with each other if you do find any of these children. Um, so <laughs> they leave uh, all of their communicators and inside of the room, the great, they pop off the great and children come yes, out. Led by That's John. That's right. 
led by John and two children. Those two children were Grace Lee Whitney's sons. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. So they stole the communicators. Um, she said that this was one of her three favorite favorite episodes, um, partially for that reason. Yes. Because, uh, you know, her little kids came through the crate and stole the communicators. And she got to be on the uh, planet Spock with and- them. Yeah. Uh, Spock and Kirk and McCoy are like, oh, no. Uh, apparently the red shirts and Janice also left their communicators in that room. <laughs> yeah, I, knew, I never thought about that. Or do they only have like, you know, these are really expensive. We cannot give communicators to everyone. I, originally, only Kirk had a communicator in the original script. And that was one of the things that uh, the producers were like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Why would only he have a communicator? But then, of course, it enters the like, why are you just leaving your communicators around? But now it's terrible. They have no more chance because they can't talk to the ship to figure out what this disease is. They're real worried. Another day goes by and our adults, our team, have realized that the food stores that these children are eating from that have apparently lasted 300 years, they are going dry. Yep. They're finally going dry. Thank God this ship showed up. A week before they all ran out of food. Turns out children don't know how to do agriculture or industrial manufacturing. None of it. They've been eating Twinkies for the past three. I wonder if the kids have to eat as much. And maybe that's why the food lasted longer. Like if they're only aging a month, like maybe their metabolisms have slowed to the point where like they only need a sandwich a week or some yeah, shit. Yeah, is this like their hometown? Have they been running around the entire world? Like, is it like where mm-hmm. I, I, there are a lot of questions that are asked that aren't answered. I mean, even to the fact that, uh, let's be real, we never answered the question of why there's a duplicate earth. We just accept that. Yeah. We just, that's a question yeah. that everyone should have and, and no answer from this doesn't matter. It just is. It is so we can use no these answer. same sets. On IMDb, it says that that was something that Kirk, uh, that Shatner was critical of this episode about, that like they didn't really explore that premise yeah. enough. Um, but IMDb also like messed up which kid he's holding in the final scene. He's holding his own child. Like she has a whole thing that I'm going to read like about her time on set. Oh, okay. And they're like, Melanie Shatner was being held by her father in this scene. And then like, I was like, no, she's not. And then like two paragraphs down, it's like, and here's the, all of the things that Leslie Shatner said about how she was the little girl being <sighs> like, it just, it's, that is bad copy editing. The internet nerds adding it onto here. Being wrong. Do you know what? Mm. I hope you marked that fact as not helpful and not interesting. Oh, I should. I super should. I'm going to go through it. Now I'm going to be that like Star Trek, like, mm, excuse me. Um, so I'm not entirely sure about the veracity of that particular fact that William Shatner specifically said that about this episode or that it was something that he holds in his mind. I have a feeling it's just a common thought about this episode and someone on IMDb wrote it. Whatever. Um, everyone's super agitated at this point. They're all biting at each other. They're yelling at each other and they're not apologizing like in the previous episodes when like people got like all pissy. Mm. 
And, and, and isn't there Kirk. a voiceover at this point where Kirk says that, oh, we're all getting irritable because the virus is now getting yeah. to that point. Yeah, he's like, we're all super fucking irritable. Um, like, they're all walking around the room. Kirk brushes past Janice and knocks a something glass out of her hands. And she just freaks out. She starts crying and screaming. And she's just like, I'm so upset. And I'm like, girl, I feel mm -hmm. you. This is everyone before a deadline you know like that feeling when you're just so overwhelmed and agitated and just one little thing goes wrong and you're like fuck everything and kirk turns to go toward her and see what's happening yep he he follows her out she's just going i'm so upset which is wonderful uh just to like express it that way um and she shows kirk like look like the disease is spreading she pulls down her dress to show it on her collarbone nbc was like be careful be careful when she pulls her dress to reveal the spread of the disease be careful we can't show any Don't top boob it can't even be a no top boob no side boob we don't have anyone to spare to make sure that only the right amount of tit is showing <laughs> and she goes like captain on the ship I used to try and get you to look at my I legs. I used to try and get you to look at my legs. When she said this line, I yep. freaked both because I'm like, oh my God, girl, why would you say this? But also, girl, I get you. Right? It was actually her who suggested the short skirts uh, in that cut because she wanted to show off her dancer's legs. Perfect. She has very nice legs. I do you know um, it was also way more comfortable than the other costume. I assumed that was a jean thing. I'm glad that was her empowerment that she yeah. decided to have that costume. Oh yeah. Same with Uhura. Uhura loved the skirts like I mean, they their legs it, look great. If I had yeah. legs like that, I, mean, I do have legs like that. Yeah. You know, I would wear that. Yeah. Um absolutely. It's sort of one of those chicken and egg things where it's like he definitely like a lot of the women who from tos that we kept like it was him asking for sexist things but he just like somehow like picked the women who are like yeah like i'm down with that like that's my wavelength yeah. uh so it's like oh <laughs> because of this specifically it wasn't oppressive well, and, okay and, but cool. also in the context of this yeah. was the era where showing that amount of leg would have been considered uncouth in some context. And now it's something that can be done yeah. regularly. They were like, yeah, I want to do that. Absolutely. Anyway. So it's, yeah, it is definitely one of those weird circular things. Like, oh, I'm glad we've yeah. updated the standards to allow this level of, yeah, natural uh, mm -hmm. uh, patriarchal uh, standards to be hit. Yeah. Right. Um. So, yeah, she's all like, Captain, look at my legs. And we look at the leg and it's all diseased. It has one of the fucked up mm -hmm. sores on it. And they're hugging. You know, he's like trying to comfort her, sort of doing like an awkward pat on the back thing. And Miri has been watching this whole time. Oh, no. And you can tell it's the look. And we it's the look of a girl who's understanding look. and realizing. I'm jealous. And I don't know why, mm -hmm. but I'm real jealous. And she's a child. So she does not understand what she's asking because immediately she's back in that kid's room. She's saying, look, the Grups are trying to do this Beninsky thing 
don't know what a Beninsky thing is. I don't know. I, I should have probably Googled I, it, but I thought it was real funny that she said I, and it. I don't, yeah, so I don't know what they were trying to like mimic, but it made me laugh that it was like Beninsky. Uh, but yeah, she's like, all, she turned. She's now rallying them against the grubs because her jealousy is is overtaken her. Yes, apparently a Babinski thing is a a reflex. Oh, it's just it's just a reflex on your plantar's fasciitis that like a doctor would hit to make sure that your tendons are working. Yeah. I don't know if that is what she meant. <laughs> I don't know if that is what she was saying, but she says this Beninsky thing. So why don't we instead do a foolie? Like, why don't you capture this woman for me? I'm going to lure her out of the building because this fucking bitch is always asking how the little onlys are doing and if they're eating and if we're okay and if she can take care of us or do anything for us fuck her absolute mommy issues like 100 going on like fuck janice for caring so we're gonna get her away and then Mr. Lovey Dovey will chase after Lovey Dovey. Lovey Dovey. So we know that she is trying to get Janice away from the captain. And John's like, I don't know. They're grups. Like they know stuff. Like they might see through this. They might be able to still do whatever they're doing with one person less um, or two people less. And she's like, no, like this is totally going to work. And he's like, all right, no, no problem. We'll just bonk, bonk on the head. And they're all like, bonk, 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 yeah. bonk There is bonk! so much child chanting in this. It is adorable. <laughs> it is really cute. Um, one of the reviews, a review, uh, described the bonk, bonk on the head kid as so annoying that he should be sent to military school. Stat. Oh, my God. Um. Oh, when, when reviewers <laughs> just used to write the most, like, asinine and asshole things. I love it. <laughs> Um, so we're back in the doctor's office and Kirk is like, Mary, where is Janice? You, you have to tell me where Janice is. We've skipped the whole luring Janice out oh, part. Yeah. Um, and Mary's like, no, like, I don't feel good. Like, why are you yelling at me? And he's super trying to keep it together, mm-hmm. but he is freaking out. Like Kirk does not have it together. None of them have it together. They are deep in virus madness right now um and he's just like we need the communicators to test the vaccine we have a vaccine and it's either a vaccine or it's a beaker full of death uh you've got to care about this mary we only have a couple of hours and mary's like no like i don't need to worry about this like you're doing your weird thing and you're yelling at me and that's all grups he's like, Mary, grups, that's you're, all you're acting do. like a grup again. Yeah. And he's like, Mary, this is going to happen to you. You have to care. It is going to happen to you. You've seen it happen yep. to all of your friends. And Mary is just being like, no, it only happens sometimes because she's a child and anti-vax. She's just anti-vaxxing her way through being like, no, it's not a real disease. Like, nothing's wrong. Nothing's going to happen. And Kirk's like, no. Don't you understand why you don't like playing games anymore? 
don't you understand why you see the other kids differently now? You're becoming a young woman. And the minute that happens, you're going to get the disease. He is her, his hands on her face right now. Like you can tell that like, if she was not a child, he would have punched this person in the face. (laughs) Like it is everything Kirk has to like, not like abuse this child because she's a child and he knows that he is diseased and like not thinking clearly. Um, and he, so he's like, look, it's starting. And he forces her to look at her arm where a sore is starting. And she's like resisting. is like, no, no. And then she sees it and just freaks out and breaks down. Yeah. Just sobbing, freaking out. The kind of freak out that a child who's been alone for 300 years, uh, who saw all of the adults of her world murder each other mm-hmm. in fucked up ways and then had to take care of all of the other small children while her friends who are her age are slowly becoming as crazy as the grown-ups, not knowing what's going to happen to her or her future. Like she is selling this terror. The tears of a child actress who's working in her fifth hour and is just so stressed out. Yup, yup. With the director being like, I don't know why she's so emotional. Bitch, what the fuck? She's selling your episode for yeah, you. Exactly. She's doing the work for she's literally giving you everything. Everything. Like, she's everything. laying it all out on the stage floor. Yeah, she is setting the stakes. Like none of the other children like, are MVP able to. MVP of set the entire the episode, bitch. Come on. Yup. Yup. So meanwhile, we're in the kids' room, and we have Dill. We have, uh, they called him a toothy kid. (laughs) John Menga is at a big desk, and he's going, blah, blah, blah. John's like, no, we're playing teacher. That's not what teacher says. And he's like, oh, right. Teacher says, study, 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 or bonk, bonk on the head, bad kid, and all the kids cheer. And I thought that was very interesting. It was very like, it has been 300 years, but these kids did have a normal life before that. Yeah. And they can't remember it very well. It, it's like their time hasn't changed relative to their aging. So they still have like uh, distant memories of something like 300 years yeah. ago. That's such, it's such a weird concept to try and think about. Yeah. Like, and how that has wrapped around. Like how much my memory them. has faded from my childhood. Like I can recall things when prompted mm-hmm. a lot, but you know, it's just like fuzzy stuff a lot of times in the back of my head where it's just a doodle memory versus like a photographic yeah. memory of it. Exactly. Exactly. And how it's become sort of just another game for these children yeah. who aren't capable of developing who their minds aren't capable of of maturing not and critic- growing. They aren't able to get critical yeah, thinking. Yeah, they're not skills. at the critical thinking age yet. Um so Janice is tied up to a chair. She's like, "Let me go. Like what are you going to do to me?" And they're like, Meh, "We don't know." Ha 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 ha. Like just being children. Um and they see Mary. Mary comes to the mm-hmm. room. She's standing in the door. They're like, Mary, what are you doing? Come on in. Which I thought was very friendly of John, our our 26-year-old. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's so nice. He's trying to be a child. Um, 
but then she opens the door and reveals she brought Kirk. Yep. She goes, tell them, Jim. And they're like, what? He's here. Tell him, Jim. Tell him, Jim. Tell him, Jim. Tell him, Jim. More chanting. Now, uh, Jim has to appeal to a room full of children. Oh, and he's turning on the the appeal. Like, he is begging the children during this, pleading with them to listen to reason. These unreasonable little monsters. Missy. Yeah. We have four appeals right here yes. to these children. In Tell a, me, Captain it, Missy, if you had to appeal to a room full of 300-year-old children to give you back a communicator, what would you do? Oh, I would I would get it done. I would do it either by, if they didn't do it, uh, by a plea. I would try and gamify it for them. I would try and like, uh, yeah. make a bet and win it back. I'd do play. Mm-hmm. I would be certain. Like, I... I am great with kids. My nieces and nephews Mm -hmm. adore me. So I would have those kids in the palm of my hand. I would be leading them like the Pied Piper into the spaceship (laughs) before. I wouldn't have even had any of these issues to begin with. Like I wouldn't have forgotten my communicator because that'd be attached to my hand. But yeah, it just would be like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to get this done. And I would be able to communicate to them clearly using their own language, being able to break it down. Because they keep trying to talk to him as an adult. There's a little bit of the issue. I mean, the the plea he gets there eventually. But it is just they're having a hard time, like, understanding understanding and connecting with them. Because they are adults. And it has been how long since they've been a child, you know? Exactly. Uh, And he's also a starship captain. Mm -hmm. Like... He he presumably within the the uh, canon may or may not actually have a son at this point yes. who he doesn't see. <laughs> um, but so appeal number one, we need the communicators. No more blah, blah, blah. We need the communicators because if we don't talk to the ship, there won't be any games anymore and there won't be anything forever and ever. The children do not connect with this appeal. Mm-hmm. It does not. It is not on their level. They cannot understand the idea of nothing forever and ever. That like doesn't make sense. So they, they, so another kid tries to go bonk, bonk. And Kirk just kind of shoves the kid gently. (laughs) It's very funny. Um, Appeal number two. Before it's too late. You've seen your friends change one by one and they all die. And the children are starting to circle him at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, Miri also has the disease. You're not babies. This appeal does not work. The children descend upon him and start beating yes. the fuck out they of bonk, him. They bonk bonk him. Like it is they surround they him. Bonk, and, bonk. Great. But then when when he it's almost like they do it for a few a few seconds. And then when he's done, he just sort of like parts the sea of children and just walks yeah. off. <laughs> he doesn't like it's not like he throws them off. He's just sort of like, and you had your fun. I'm done now. At a certain point during this part, um, one of his daughters, Melanie Shatner, she was picked up by another kid and sort of brought, you know, into the circle. Mm. And she was supposed to be hitting at Kirk's face. But she kept smiling and laughing because she was a small child and that's her daddy. That is funny. And he had to be like, no, don't smile. Don't smile. Is that the one that's standing above all the kids and smile, actually smiling and teeheeing? Because there's a moment where a girl looks way so. too into the fact that the other kids are hitting him. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that it's that little girl and she's wearing a green wig mm-hmm. at a certain yes. point. Yes. And 
Leslie later in the quote that I will uh, read says that she was like, oh, thank God there wasn't another green wig because my mom wanted to put me in it <laughs> and I didn't want to wear it. Um, so yeah, there's just this cute little kid looking on, kind of snickering. Um, so appeal number three. He's all bloodied up now. There's blood coming out of his ears. Mm-hmm. Like, like Kirk looks like he's got it bad from these kids. And he's like, what about you, John? It's only a few months for you. Look at my arms. And he like rips open his sleeves to show the disease. Nasty. And he's like, what will happen to all the little kids when you die? Mm -hmm. When you become a grub? They're going to starve and all the food's gone and you're leaving them to die. And Mary's like, yup, I second this appeal. But it still doesn't work. They're still nyan, nyan, nyan. But Kirk doesn't believe in the rule of three. He goes to four. No. Four. Finally, he goes, all right, I dare you. I double dare you. Yes. Now, Missy, he's actually doing what you exactly. should do. I was like, Kirk, snaps to Kirk. He figured it out. It took him a little bit, right? but he got there. He goes, look at the blood on my face. And now on your hands, who is doing the hurting? And I'm like... This is some high level sort of like morality that you're asking like these children to sort of rock. And apparently Melanie like looked at her hands at this point. And she's like, it was really confusing because he said to look at our hands, but there was no blood on my hands. (laughs) Um, He's like, not the grups. You're acting like the grups and you'll be like them unless you let me help you. I'm a grup and I want to help you. Let me help you. Help me help you. Help me help Help you. Help me help you. Meanwhile, back at the, the medical building, McCoy is begging Spock to let him use the vaccine. He's like, I made a vaccine. It's right here. I'm going to fucking try it. And Spock's like, you could die. You could die. You could take this and immediately die. McCoy's like, we don't have our community. I could not take it and I could be dead anyways. And he's like, but we could get the communicator still. Spock's like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to walk out this door and leave you alone with the thing that you want that I don't want you to have. To see how Kirk's doing on getting those communicators. And as soon as Spock leaves, McCoy's like, sweet vaccine time. Yeah, shoot him up. Zip. Zip. Gives himself the vaccine. Screams. He's like, Spock! And falls to the ground. Spock runs in to check on him. And thank God McCoy isn't dead yet. That is when, bam, Kirk Burst through the doors with a sea of children. The flow. He's holding one of them. And that's his daughter, Lisbeth. <laughs> and so he like puts her down and he sees McCoy on the ground. And he's there. He's like, wait, let's see if it works. And he, they're like, he's still alive. And he's like, wait, look at his face. The sores on McCoy's face fade away. Oh. God, he did it. Spock says, "Mm, I will never understand the medical mind. Kirk, he's pleased with himself, turns around and just walks out of the room. You know, I don't know why. He he just feels like proved point. Pointing it doesn't, he just, children, you don't even need the confirmation. You have seen it with your own eyes. And to be fair, they see it and they are like, oh, okay. Yeah. He walks triumphantly out of the room. 
for dramatics, John is like, so this is a good thing? And Mary's like, yes, it is a good thing. Now I won't die Back and Kirk and I can get married. Yup. <laughs> Back on the bridge. Janice is chilling. She's like, oh man, like I'm, I'm kind of worried about leaving all of those children with just a medical team. Uh, and Kirk's like, no, we're sending teachers. We're sending caretakers. Like we're sending advisors. Don't worry. And Rand, she's like, you know that Mary, she really loved you, you know? And Kirk goes, Yeoman, I never get involved with an older woman. But um ageism. <laughs> Full ahead whoop factor one. Do, 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 this one was do, do. truly a wild ride. Right? Again, never could have guessed from the episode title what this would have been about at all. Right? Uh, so right here I have some information from Lisbeth. Lisbeth Shatner's middle daughter was five years old at the time. She is the cute little ginger girl that mm-hmm. he is carrying when he walks into the room. Um, and she described this on set. Once we entered the set and were directed into the costume room, someone handed me a box with a costume in it and told me to put it on. Since Halloween was one of my favorite holidays, I opened the box eagerly. Again, I was getting a chance to dress up, and it wasn't even Halloween. However, my excitement was somewhat lessened when I saw the costume. It was a beige, apron-like dress with the words, I spy, printed on the left pocket. Even at the age of five, I considered myself too mature to wear such a silly costume. Uh, <laughs> I spent the next hour with my left hand over the print. My mother's made matter. My mother made matters worse when she asked the costumer if they had any green wigs left. Ah, it was not a child. She had seen a little girl walk by with a wig of long, green, ratty hair, and she wanted one for me. I breathed a sigh of relief when there were none left. What an amazing, um, adorable retelling. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> And then the smaller one said Leslie, who was also appearing in the episode and got a much better costume than I did, accompanied me to the makeup room to visit dad. When we walked in the room, he was sitting in the makeup chair, his back to us. We ran forward excitedly, relieved to see a familiar outline. When he turned towards us, I caught a glimpse of his arm and saw the skin inside of his elbow was covered in the long bluish scab. I blanched and my dad burst out laughing and told us to touch the sore, which was made of rubber, to to show that everything was pretend. And when she realized that, she relaxed. Um, Finally, a makeup man came around to put dirt and smudges on our faces, which is something Leslie didn't appreciate very much. And then when shooting began... uh, (laughs) Finally, my father started talking. I understood that his words belonged to the pretend realm, but what he was saying wasn't making much sense. Look at your hands. They have blood. And no one moved. And he stopped talking. And he's like, well, look at them. (laughs) Well, look at your hands. And then finally, the kids looked at their hands. Um, but he, he, I didn't see anything unusual. So I understand. I, I, I wondered why he told me there was blood on my hands when there wasn't any blood on my hands. Um, the next scene did not clear up the confusion. Uh, Keith Taylor was told to pick me up and carry me towards my father, whereupon I was supposed to take a swipe at his face. I knew this was pretend, but I couldn't keep a smile off my face every time I got close to hitting him. 
he kept saying, no, you can't smile. And they had to do it four or five times before she could keep a straight face. Um, and then in the last scene, uh, Lisbeth was being carried by her father and set her down next to the actress playing Janice Rand, who was on the floor. Um, and yeah, basically just like spent the rest of that whole scene, which took forever to 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 do. Um, being super fascinated by by Janice Rand's wonderful beehive hairdo <laughs> that is has like woven checkered pieces on it, wondering if she could play checkers on Janice's hair. That's beautiful. Yes. So that's Miri. All these children, all these wonderful things. It is one of the first uh, times, probably the only time that it's revealed that their costumes are held together with zippers, oh. the main cast, because Kirk sort of unzips his arms and unzips part of his neck to show off the sores and look super ragged, like he'd been beat up by a bunch of children. And, uh, yeah. Missy, tell me. You had something to say about Miri's outfit. She's wearing this lovely yellow floral dress. Oh my gosh. I wanted an adult sized version of that outfit so bad. It just was the perfect, like it, it just is so me. I love the floweriness of it. I love the colors. It was so sixties. I was absolutely jealous of her and that outfit. It just was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Um, great outfits all around. Great episode all around. I just, I love them all being in that, fucking office being like we have to figure out this virus yeah it definitely was was interesting i liked it um i will say it probably lands in the middle for me either at like mm -hmm. four or five i don't want to go through the entire rankings right now but um i just mm -hmm. know that like uh it 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 I, I think just the concept sort of hooked me in but it did honestly drag a little bit and then move very fast at the end so it was something where they just had yes. a resolution where all of a sudden i looked down and i'm like oh we have six minutes left and they haven't found the cure and like all these like we still haven't even got the communicators back so i'm like oh they're going to resolve all this really quickly and we're just going to be like boom done um but uh, so that was the only minor thing that i had um you know maybe yeah. we can blame adrian spees on that if we want uh for his <laughs> script but no i but i i thought it was really good in some actually some of the best child acting that i've seen um even though she's 18 but you know young adult acting uh yeah. that kim darby did as mary it was very good mary mary was the glue that held us together she is the reason that i like yes. this episode as much as i do yes yeah she is the one who sells it she sells the stakes um it's always fun seeing the crew like agitated trying to figure yes. something out together but it's her that holds the whole premise. Yeah. It makes it real. And, 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 and I, makes it memorable. And I love a gang of children. I love little children yeah. misbehaving. I love it when you get I love seeing that many child actors. I love that it was all of the the crew. I love that Phil Morris was one of them. Like, what a wild twist there. Um, yeah. You know, just really, really a uh, good part of that. So, yeah, a fun episode. There's just, you know, things uh, like our other disease of the week, the Naked Time man trap um you know those are ones that still just are gonna land fly a little bit higher than this one fair enough i i think i'm also gonna put this in a mid-range um i think i like mud's women a little more just because of mud he's he's just too good too amazing 
they think that that's actually why uh, they aired the episode. They're like sex trafficking, <sighs> but then they saw Roger Carmel's performance and they're like space pirate. Yes. Um, they're like, look, we'll just we'll hide the sex trafficking underneath this guy's weird pirate hat <laughs> and, and, and everyone will be so and again, amazed and to say the women just want it like you know that if, as long as they want to be a yeah. part of this then there's nothing problematic about it at all yeah no it's totally fine it's it's totally thank, fine we don't need to examine what thank god we only have. had to deal with prepubescent crushes in this episode yup yup um but again a wonderful episode something that i definitely put in my mid-range um it's the only one with an italicized title. Oh, interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, it's the, the only one we're going to see. <laughs> um, and next week, we are going to see actually one of my very favorite episodes. Um, one that lives in my heart. That's right. It is The Conscience of the King. Uh, I, Am I correct? This is called, I have it as The Dagger of the Mind. You're right. It is the dagger of the mind. I was using another Shakespeare. Quote. Oh, okay. But if this is the episode uh, that you're thinking of. Okay. Yes, okay, it okay, is okay, the okay. episode I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah well, if it's dagger, yeah, of the it's mind, dagger of the mind, this is a Macbeth quote or Macbeth yes. reference. Precisely. The dagger I see before uh, me conscience there. of the king ends up playing into it a bit. Conscience of the king, of course, being the Hamlet reference that he's going to, you know, oh, I'm going to put on yeah. a play that will reveal their crimes and then they're going to be like oh no that's my crime um so there are definitely elements of that um the conscience of the king it's its own separate episode isn't it i I don't know you tell me you're totally right you didn't even say it i'm confused i'm so excited then for dagger of the mind the next episode produced was The Conscience of the King. Okay. Yes. Dagger of the Mind. Ooh, another really excellent oh one. Oh, boy. Okay. This is a really fun one. Dagger of the Mind is one of those episodes you're going to watch it and be like, oh, I've seen a bunch of other people do this. It's one of those okay. ones like the, um, the Enemy Within where you're like, oh, that's where that format comes from. Like, okay. that's where okay. that okay. conceit okay. is. Oh, I'm excited. Well, and again, I, I so if we're going off the title and I'm trying to guess what it is, like I couldn't guess with Mary. If I'm guessing Dagger of the Mind, I'm going to guess that there is a Macbeth-like layer to it. It might be something like, you know, Killing of Kings regicide type deal. We'll see. And I might be totally off and this is a completely different thing that we're going with here. But I'm very interested to see. Hell yes. Thank you so much for joining me, Missy, on this oh, thank you. little jaunt to Earth 2 on our five-year er, mission. Earth 2 to Miri. I also wondered if Miri was like short for Miriam or something and it just got mm-hmm. shortened over time. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. in John, it's also spelled J-A-H-N right? in this. So I also don't know if it's just trying to be like other world versions of things. But yeah, I just found it good. But yes, we have met Miri. And unfortunately, we have to break her heart and leave her here with a team of medical and educators, and she's going to get her shit together. Yes. Yes. They yes. still only age one month every century. I don't think that gets solved with a vaccine, does it? Oh, who knows? That's a, that's a good question, because we could come back like hundreds of years later and hang out with Mary. 
we have another child actor. Yeah. Like there's another different child in like Deep Space Nine. And it's like, oh, it's been 200 years since then, but I've only aged two months. Where's Captain Kirk? Is, is you know, I'm, I'm past puberty now. You don't have puberty in two months, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm older now. Let's try this. Oh, he's long. He went through a whole, there was a movie about it called Generations. <laughs> like, you know, you, yeah. He's dead in dust. <laughs> Well, on yes. that, we are not dead in dust. We are vibrant yeah. and full of water, you know, ah. two-thirds full of water, mm-hmm. like a good human on Earth one. Soggy. Again, Emily, thank you so much for being my guide <laughs> on this episode, and I can't wait to find a dagger of the mind, the handle before my hand. Let me clutch thee. Let me Ugh. clutch thee. Uh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Missy. And live long. And bonk, bonk on the head. Live long in puberty. Ha! <laughs>